I think the other half of it was that I was able to prove it, you know, so I was able to say, give me the test. I can prove that I can do this. And when they gave me the test, I did prove it. So I think, you know, if there's an opportunity, if someone was applying for a job with me, let's say, and saying, I want to be a blogger, I've never done it, but I want to be a blogger for you. I could say, prove it, show me, give me an example. Or they could say, like, I can prove it to you. I can do this for you to show you that I can do it. And and if for me, at least as a small business owner, if, if somebody can prove to me that they can do it, <laughs> who cares what the resume says? Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks podcast. And now here's your host, and fellow second breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 30 of the Second Breaks podcast, and it is Tuesday, December 19th, 2017, as I record this episode. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today, uh, Lacey Boggs. Her story is one that demonstrates how we can better direct our careers, even if things aren't necessarily going our way, when we truly know our skills and strengths. Lacey's career took a lot of circuitous turns, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not so much. But what I hope you'll hear in my conversation with her is how she jumped from opportunity to opportunity, often by creating the opportunity herself, and how her keen understanding of her core strengths, what she brings to the table, served and continues to serve as the guiding light to her career moves. While we talked mainly of her skill set, writing and storytelling, I think you'll find parallels in your own situation. And if you focus more on the process or the way that she thought around each situation, you will get ideas about how you too can find ways to leverage your strengths. For today's show notes, you can go to secondbreaks.com forward slash episode three zero. You'll find the links to the resources that we mentioned in today's show. Plus, you'll also find links to other tools and resources there, including the Pivot Essentials, which is a two-part primer on what it takes to make a career pivot in today's world. You'll be able to download a PDF where I talk about the foundation strategies. Then I'll follow that with a deeper dive so you can form your career pivot plans with confidence. So make sure you grab that again, secondbreaks.com forward slash episode three zero. One other piece of business before I introduce Lacey, Second Breaks is running a workshop on big picture and goal setting called Steer Your Career in January 2018, just in time for the new year. This is a live online workshop that will help you start the new year with meaningful goals and a plan that you'll actually want to work on. Today, this week, is the last week to join the VIP list to take advantage of early bird pricing, so check it out, secondbreaks.com forward slash workshops. Lacey Boggs is a writer, a blogger, and the owner of Content Direction Agency, a company that helps online business owners with their content strategy and implementation. Lacey and I talked about the twists and turns of her journey and how she arrived at her current career path, what made it possible, and how she leverages her strengths to find or create the right opportunities. Lacey is well-versed in blogging and the online business world, so we also talked about the realities of blogging today, the two main ways you can earn money through blogging, and key things that you want to consider if you're thinking of starting a blog yourself. So let me transition to my chat with Lacey. You know what? 
Actually, before I do that, let me just say one thing. One day I'm going to learn how to not be fangirly whenever I talk to writers or editors or anybody in that industry. But let me just say that this chat with Lacey was not the day that I learned how to do that. So you're going to hear me sound very much a fan. Plus, I'm a big fan of Lacey herself. So, you know, here's my conversation with her. Please excuse the fangirly moments, especially in the beginning. And as usual, I'll catch up with you at the back end. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So I am, as I told you before I hit record, I am such a big fan of yours. Um, When I read your About page some time ago, I had always wanted to, I've been wanting to get a chance to chat with you about your story because you have such an interesting career story. And um, you have... uh, (laughs) You have such a way with words and storytelling. So I hope you don't mind if you could just give us the experience of uh, hearing you talk about your career story from that woman who wanted to make it big in the film industry to what you do today. Sure. So, uh, you know, it, it actually goes back even a little further than that, because, you know, in school, I wanted to be a writer. And um, I actually had a, an English teacher whom I adored. I told her I wanted to be a writer and write books. And she said, that's amazing, honey, but maybe you should have something to fall back on. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so my eight, eighth grade brain went to TV news and journalism. So I got into my high school had uh, a TV and video class. So I got into that and I fell in love with it. I really enjoyed it. And so I ended up going to film school and uh, I did film school for four years and, you know, graduated top of my class and thought I was hot stuff and all this, whatever. And uh, my senior year, I applied for uh, a very prestigious internship in L.A. Um, through the Directors Guild of America. It's super high um, competition. So like 3000 people apply for 30 spots. But if you get it, you basically get to they place you on on uh, productions and you basically become a second assistant director like straight out of college. <laughs> so it's it's a big deal. So I got all the way down. I you know, 3000 people. I made it all the way to the top 100. And they pick 30. And um, we had gone to my boyfriend at the time and I had gone to L.A. for the last round of interviews. We're driving down Highway 1. The sun's setting. It's so magical. My phone rings. And they're like, sorry, you've been cut. Oh, no. (laughs) I had no plan B. So we we did end up moving out to L.A. for for uh, after I graduated. He was going to uh, grad school out there and I tried to break in and it just didn't it didn't happen. I tried for several years. I got real depressed. I had my quarter life crisis <laughs> and uh, I decided that I would go back to my first love, which was writing. And so um, I got into PR, did some writing in PR, and then we decided to move from California to Colorado and uh, you, you had mentioned liking my story about the about the temp agency. So so when we got to Colorado, neither of us had any jobs. So I applied to a temp agency and I told them I was a copy editor. And they're like, that's awesome. But there's no copy editing experience on your resume. And I'm like, no, but I'm a copy editor. <laughs> so they gave me a copy editing test. And uh, when they brought me in after the test, I said, you're the only person who's ever scored 100% on that test. <laughs> 
So they, they did believe me after that, and they got me a job as a copy editor, and eventually that company bought me out, and um, I worked as an editor for them until I got laid off, and then I worked at a small magazine for a while, and then I got pregnant, which was great. It was a happy thing, but I didn't want to work 60 hours a week for this little magazine anymore, getting paid almost nothing. And when I did the research, I don't, I don't know about other cities, but here in Denver, uh, childcare is very expensive. And so to put an infant in childcare uh, would have cost more than half of my annual salary. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get paid essentially half my salary to not see my kids 60 hours a week. Like I'm not up for that. (laughs) So we took a leap of faith and uh, I quit my job and I started freelancing and I started a food blog because I was the food editor at the magazine where I worked. And so that's logical, right? Right. Food blog. But I didn't really understand how food blogs make money at that time. And um, it's very much a Walmart model in that you have to bring in a huge number of eyeballs in order to either A, sell advertising or B, sell a price product, like a $9.95 ebook, uh, rest, you know, recipe book or whatever. So I was, I was rocking with the blog. Like people were excited to <laughs> read my blog. I was growing my list. I got guest posting opportunities from Martha Stewart but I wasn't making any money. <laughs> and so that, that was when I decided maybe I could blog for other people. And I started a business as a ghost blogger, blogging for other small businesses, and that has taken off. So that's where I am today. I run a small agency. We do content marketing strategy and implementation for online businesses. So that was a long version. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And thank you so much for for doing that for us. But Lacey, I wanted to go back to there is an interesting part of that story that I wanted to unpack because I know so many people out there are stymied to apply or to even consider a role, a position where when they look at the job description, quote unquote, and say, I don't I haven't done this right or I don't have enough experience but you persuaded (laughs) someone that you were a copy editor even though you didn't have copy editing experience although you did have training in writing I had the skill right you had the skill experience yeah so could you talk a little bit about that in terms of like the the mojo I guess that goes along that you know, I think at that point I had so I had very little to lose in 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 putting myself out there that way. Um, you know, I, I applied this temp agency that was basically a temp agency for creative people, so writers, designers, things like that. And um, I I didn't have anything to lose by pushing it. You know, the, the, they were going to find me a job anyway. They liked me. They were going to hire me. <laughs> But I said, this is what I want to do. And they're like, maybe not. But I think the other half of it was that I was able to prove it. You know, Mm -hmm. so I was able to say, give me the test. I can prove that I can do this. And when they gave me the test, I did prove it. So I think, you know, if there's an opportunity, if someone was applying for a job with me, let's say, and saying, I want to be a blogger, I've never done it, but I want to be a blogger for you. I could say, you know, prove it, show me, give me an example. Or they could say like, I can prove it to you. You know, I can show you, I can do this for you to show you that I can do it. And, and if, 
you know, for me, at least as a small business owner, if, if somebody can prove to me that they can do it, who cares what the resume says? <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. I love that. Who cares what the resume say if you can show that you could actually do it, right? So that that's mm-hmm. great. So um, you were talking about how, you know, you were, you know, you had a, you had a, pivotal personal moment you had a baby you know you're now wanting to spend more time with baby of course and then you started to consider uh doing something else on your own or starting your own blog and I think you st- you said you started with uh setting up a food blog did you say yeah I was a food writer so it made sense <laughs> right right could you uh expand on that a little bit too lazy because I think that's another thing that a lot of people are hearing uh especially people who are not in the online world yet right so they're sitting in their cubicle in the office and they're like oh mm-hmm. blogger I'm hearing this a lot food blogger this fashion blogger that right and so on and so forth and we can make money for by being a blogger and so could you maybe talk a little bit about that experience of yours and you said something about you didn't uh, something along the lines of you didn't really understand how food blogging makes money or something along those lines. So, yeah. So I I think that's a great uh, topic for people, especially if you're thinking like, yeah, I should be a blogger. I see people making money at this and I want to do that. You know, 10 years ago, you could start a blog about anything. And once advertisers figured out that people were reading blogs, they were tripping all over themselves to give bloggers money. And it was actually very easy to make money as a blogger five or ten years ago things have changed unfortunately (laughs) um and now there are so many blogs anybody can start a blog there's so many blogs there's a lot of noise Mm. there's a lot of competition there's still a lot of uh brands who want to work with bloggers but they're much less inclined to pay you so um this is the sponsored content type thing yes exactly So my experience with my food blog is that I got a lot of uh, people reaching out from PR companies and restaurants and food manufacturers that wanted to give me free product or that wanted to invite me to an event to write about it. There were lots of opportunities to work with brands in that way, but they weren't really excited about paying for anything. (laughs) And and this is true really with any niche blog. So so there's two... um, not to get too into it, but there's two business models for blogging. One is where you're blogging as the business, your content is the business, and you're either selling sponsored posts or advertising around that content. And the second is you're blogging to support a business. So the people I work with today, they are, let's say, life coaches or um, business coaches, or you know, I've got all kinds of people. I have a fashion company and things like that. And they're blogging to support a separate business, right? So the content supports the other thing that they sell. So when you're blogging as a business and you need to have advertising or sponsored posts to make money, you have to get to a certain level of popularity and traffic. And the the advertisers want to know how many people are reading your blog before they're willing to shell out any money for it, right? I mean, that makes sense. And so there's a long, there's generally, unless you can do something crazy amazing and go viral right away, there's generally a long lead period where you're just creating, you're blogging and creating content and nobody's paying you for it because you have to get big, right? There's a process to attract that big audience that's then going to attract the sponsors. So a lot of times that happens and so people start a blog and then they don't know how to promote it 
They don't know how to get the audience that they need. And so they never get to that point where the sponsors are interested. So I guess to, to sort of cycle back to your original question, if you're sitting in a cubicle and have an idea for a blog, that's awesome. But you also need to have an idea about how you're going to promote it and get enough people to make it attractive to advertisers so that they will pay you to sponsor it. Or you have to have a product idea to go with it that you can sell. A couple of questions about that, Lacey. Uh, actually, somebody <laughs> asked me this question two days ago, and I said to her, well, I am talking to an expert uh, in two <laughs> days' time, so I will ask her. But she sure. had this idea about, and I, I believe that she was looking at a particular business model by, uh, you know, uh, Darren Rouse of ProBlogger. Sure. But he started with, I think it's called Digital Photography School or something like that. Anyway, my my friend's idea was that she would start a blog reviewing products, right? And so, so the, the blog is going to be all about reviewing products. And I forget what product it was that she was going to concentrate on. And then ideally that she would get affiliate marketing or affiliate income from that sure. is yeah. that do you think I said I will ask Lacey because she is the expert in this so um, do you think that that's a, a valid sort of model or path feasible sure it's totally valid it's totally valid but what you have to consider is so let's pretend she's going to be reviewing cameras because we just talked about digital photos let's say a camera costs five hundred dollars that she's reviewing on Amazon um, the commission she's going to earn from that, that purchase is like one to three percent. It's pretty low, right? So she might earn what five, ten, fifteen dollars from a five hundred dollar purchase. So you absolutely can do that, make that affiliate thing work. But again, it's the size of the audience and how many people are going to buy that five hundred dollar camera through your link, right? So it's it's a little bit of a math equation, right? So if only I don't know if only a hundred people see that review. Right. I mean, the, the chances that somebody's going to click on that link and buy a $500 camera are really small. Right. And even if one person, you're only going to earn, let's say $5 off that sale. So you see, you have to exponentially grow your audience at that point to make that kind of affiliate marketing pay off. Now, if you can figure out how to sell products that have a higher commission, or a larger price point. Like if you can figure out how to smell Maseratis off your blog, <laughs> you might be doing this well. I don't know. <laughs> Even if it's two percent, that's okay, right? <laughs> right. And so and so that's kind of where um you have to figure out like what's the math, you know, do a little bit of math um and figure out, you know, how many eyeballs do I have to get on this review in order to make enough money for this to pay off. And so if you're reviewing lots of products and you do the SEO right and you get lots of traffic, yes, eventually that can pay off pretty well because those five, 10, $15 commissions start to add up when you get a bunch of them. Um, but you just kind of have to figure out, you know, where's the math, uh, where's the math gonna, and somebody, I mean, I'm sure you can Google, I don't know off the top of my head what tradition, what a conversion rate for those kinds of posts would be. Mm -hmm. um, in the inf info marketing space where I live more often, <laughs> um, generally we say one to 3% is, is a good ballpark conversion rate. So of everybody that sees my sales page for my thing that I'm selling, one to 3% will convert. So I, I'm sure you can Google affiliate sales and find a you know more specific conversion rate to help you do that math. But 
But you kind of have to figure out, okay, well, I might need 10,000 people to see that review and buy, and then get enough people to buy that camera to then pay my mortgage <laughs> or whatever it is. And, and so what about the person who, uh, who's maybe has writing skills or, you know, and, and, and maybe want to get into copywriting or have a, a writing sort of side hustle business going yeah. on the side? How do you start a freelance writing gig nowadays? Do they pay? Do magazines actually pay for freelance writers <laughs> anymore? <laughs> well, yeah. So that's why I ended up starting my own business because I hated the freelance writing world. I do not enjoy pitching my article ideas. So what you have to do is you have to contact the editor of whatever publication and pitch them an idea and say, I want to write this article for you. And they either yes or no. And if you get really lucky, you develop a relationship with an editor and then they call you and say, I have this assignment. Do you want it? And so, yes, magazines do pay, but not very much. Um, I'll give you a little example. When I, I worked for a teeny tiny local magazine here in Boulder, Colorado, and when I was getting ready to leave, the person they brought on as the assistant editor of this magazine to replace me is the man who wrote the book Blood Diamonds that they made the movie. He, he's, he's written several nonfiction books. He's written for The Economist and The Atlantic and all these huge publications. And he wasn't able to make ends meet. So he was taking my crappy job at the magazine. Oh, my goodness. That will tell you, like, even a very accomplished writer like him who has the contacts, who's made, who knows the editors at The Atlantic and The Economist, who has published books, traditionally published books that got turned into Leonardo DiCaprio movies, he was still having trouble making ends meet. Okay, so freelance writing in that sort of traditional vein, I think personally, just doesn't pay very well uh, anymore. You know, um, the best you can hope for from a big magazine is a word. So, um, you know, it just depends. If you can make your living that way, awesome. More power to you. People do it. It was a lot of work for me. I chose not to. Um, but the other, but anybody can kind of hang out a shingle and become a writer. Sorry. Right, right. No, no, no. Which I no, I was going to say, um, it leads me to, it's a good segue for my question, which is, um, <laughs> to be blunt, what exactly do you do? And I know, of course, I know what you yeah. do. But for the benefit of the listener out there is going, what exactly does she do? Could you talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, Absolutely. So what I do is I help um, online business owners, somebody, anybody who has an online presence, um, create content that helps lead to a sale. And content in this category could be anything from blog posts, which is what I specialize in, to Instagram, to Facebook, Facebook Lives, podcasts, video series, anything like that. I help them strategize what kind of content should I be producing that will help lead my customers to a sale. And then I have a small agency of other writers with me who, once we figured out the strategy, we can also help implement it. So if they want somebody to write their blog posts for them or their emails or their whatever it is, we can do that. We can, we, I have people on my team who can actually produce the content for them if they choose. So that's basically what I do. Um, I started by calling myself a ghost blogger, which is a pretty good description of what we 
we we blog as the business owner. So not as Lacey Boggs, but as whoever, as Lou. We might blog for you. I don't, but <laughs> you know, I would I could come in and, and we could adopt your voice and create your content for you. Yeah. So do you work with um primarily uh, solopreneurs or mid to large size companies or what's the, who do you primarily work with? I wouldn't call them solopreneurs. I'd call them maybe personality brands. So there's one person who is the face of the brand, but they have a small team that helps support them. Um, That's generally when people can afford our services and, and want to outsource their content all the way up to, you know, companies that have, maybe 25 to 50 employees. We do work with larger companies as well. So it's sort of in that sweet spot um, where there's there's the personality person who's the face of the brand who may not have any full-time employees, but they have a small team of contractors supporting them all the way up to somebody who has maybe as many as 25 to 50 full-time employees. Hey, my friend, I just want to ask you a favor. My mission for Second Break's podcast is to highlight all the ways that we can make a career move in today's world so we can thrive in our work and reach our highest potential. And I need your help with this mission. You can do two small things. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. And if you have enjoyed the show and the podcast, I would so much appreciate it if you'd take a brief moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Simply go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, and that link will take you directly to iTunes. By subscribing to the show and leaving me a review, you will help me tremendously in reaching more career professionals who can benefit the most from this podcast. Thank you so much. Now, I know this skill of yours because you I'd heard you talk about this before, and I had heard you explain to someone how you got into it. So, so the, the skill is that you're able to write on behalf of another person, and I think the the voice of the other person, right? And so you have this, yes. and I don't know how, like it's a fantastic skill. I think, <laughs> you know, I could barely figure out my own voice, let alone another person's right. voice. So, but you had, I had heard you talk one time or or tell this story one time about you writing, handwriting a book, someone's book. <laughs> yes. Could you tell that story? Because you would tell it better than me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So in, when I was living in California during my quarter life crisis, when I was still trying to break into the film industry, um, I had to have something to pay the bills. And so I, again, went to a temp agency. This one was not a creative temp agency. It was just regular. And I got a temporary job with uh, an exterminating company answering the phone. Oh, God, it was terrible. <laughs> they wanted us to enter, like, who, who, which exterminator had gone to which house and whatever. Um, so you, you got a stack of these slips and you had data entry and then you're supposed to do that and answer the phones. Well, I got the data entry done in like an hour. And then you were just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. And so like I was bored out of my mind and, and the computers were such that you couldn't go on the internet or, and, you know, they didn't want you to do anything like that. So I literally had a yellow legal pad and I started writing, um, fan fiction, which is where you write a story in somebody else's world. So in my case, it was Harry Potter. So, um, this was in, I want to say 2004, maybe. Um, so I was writing the sixth book of Harry Potter before the sixth book actually came out. So I had read one through five 
And I decided to write book six. And so I wrote the whole thing longhand on a yellow legal pad. It ended up being 110,000 words. Um, and, you know, at the time, it was just something to keep me from going crazy. <laughs> but what I realized later is that it was an incredible exercise in writing in somebody else's voice because I spent 110,000 words being J.K. Rowling, you know, doing my best to write with a British accent, so to speak. <laughs> and um, I realized I had been doing that all my life. As a kid, um, I would read a book and then I would write a short story and the short story would sound very much like the book because I was so into whatever that voice was. You know, if I if I was reading Agatha Christie, I was writing murder mysteries. If I was reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I was writing, you know, funny science fiction. And so it wasn't until much, much, much later, but I realized that I had this gift for emulating other people's voice in writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and that was e- made it easy for me to start that ghost blogging business because I could say to the business owner, nobody will be able to tell that you are not the one writing the posts. And, and, and I think it's true. Um, you know, I, we do a really good job. We, we pay a lot of attention to try to get people's voices correct. And um, even with people who have very distinct and fun writing voices, you know, we can emulate that pretty well. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, my goodness. There's just one part of that story that I wanted to highlight for anybody who's listening who's bored to death about their job. Listen to what Lacey did and <laughs> You never know what you're going to discover about yourself, right? So, so <laughs> don't despair that you have a boring job. Think about it as, hey, I could use this extra time to discover something else or learn something about new about myself, right? Right. Speaking of which, about learning something about yourself, looking back now, Lacey, in terms of you've done many different roles, you've transitioned from role mm-hmm. to role. What's the thing about yourself that you know you can count on as you jump from opportunity to opportunity? Mm. Huh, that's a good question. I, th- I think what what I know about myself now is that really I can rise to the occasion. So whatever the job is, especially having been in, in doing temporary work, um, I can I can be thrown into a job and do it pretty well. I worked in IT Lehman Brothers for a while before they crashed. I don't think I had anything to do with the crash, but um like, I'm really not an IT person. Like, I, you know, I worked in, um, like, the programs to quality check the loans that they were writing. So, like, I have no experience writing programs, and they had me doing this thing. So, I mean, I feel like I can um, – I'm pretty adaptable, right? And I can usually rise to the occasion. Whether or not it's something I want to do is a completely different question, but I can really rise to the occasion and, and do what's necessary to, and, and that's really grounding because it means that, especially as a business owner, you have to wear so many different hats. You know, I, um, I'm, I'm a writer, but I've had to learn sales. I've had to learn marketing. I've had to learn a lot of different skills that I didn't have when I first said, oh, I'm going to write blogs for people, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, being able to realize that, yes, I have the capacity to learn and to rise to whatever that occasion is, whatever that need is, um, has been really helpful. Yeah, That's excellent. Also, it comes, it's very uh, useful or helpful as we go about the, our, our world, our economy, this business place is changing so fast. So there's almost always something new or a new 
sub-industry that's being created or a new opportunity. So it's it's wonderful to have that, to know that about yourself, right? And I think that's true. You know, even if you don't feel that way yourself, there's so many resources these days that you can go learn something new, free and paid. You know, um, online is just, there's a wealth of information. And so anything you need to learn, learn to, to get to or get that next job, there's somebody out there that wants to teach it to you. So, you know, there's no reason not to. So two more questions, Lacey. One, where can people find you and read about you and read your wonderful words on a page? Thank you. I'm at LaceyBoggs.com. And um, that's where my business lives. And um, if you want to read my funny about page, <laughs> that's where that is. And uh, my blog there or learn about how to work with us if you're a small business owner that needs content support. Absolutely. That's great. And then the final question, Lacey, what is a recent book that you've read recently, fiction, nonfiction, whatever, that you could recommend? Sure. Um, so I have very eclectic tastes in books. <laughs> I mostly read um, young adult fiction because I'm working on a young adult novel. But uh, one I read recently that actually was an adult fiction novel is called A Discovery of Witches. It was really, um, I was trying to remember the name of the author, Deborah something, but it was really great. It's, it's a it's a sort of a world where there are witches and vampires and, and all those kinds of things, but then there's all this science uh, woven in. So there's a vampire who's trying to identify the genes that make vampires vampires. And anyway, it goes, it's very cool. There's a lot of history and a lot of science and it was a fun, fun read. Well, thank you so much for that book recommendation, Lazy, And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. So appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. That's a wrap for today's episode, my friend. You can find the show notes plus links to other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode three zero. And hey, don't forget to sign up for the four pivot essentials, okay? If you have any comments or questions about today's topic, you can tweet me at secondbreaks or you can send me an email, lou at secondbreaks.com. I would love to hear from you. We've got our pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes in Apple Podcasts or Google Play or even better, subscribe to the podcast so you won't ever have to miss any of the future ones. Next week is a special episode because I am sharing my year-end reflections with you and a sort of... um like a status update of my own career reinvention. Till then, keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 